Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast where I talk everything about anxiety and other big feels. I've been doing lots of interviews and workshops and just lots of training over the past few weeks, and I'm seeing more and more discussion around screen times and the role screens have with anxiety. So I thought that that would be a good focus for today because it's such a hot topic. So the question is, do screens affect anxiety? Yes. Yes, they do quite significantly. Bottom line, we know screens are related to so many various things, poor behavior, academic performance, self-image, nutrition, obesity, substance, um, mental health, aggression, violence, anxiety for sure, attention. We're seeing all of that and screens totally affect development where we're seeing more and more cognitive delays, speech delays, motor skills delays. Young brains are so very vulnerable and they develop through real world experiences and they need all of those experiences. And so when they're exposed early, screens can actually change the brain. And the brain hasn't changed much in 250,000 years, but think of how much our society has changed in just the past 20 years. And so we're actually seeing this abnormal development with attention for sure. It's not causing ADHD. That's not at all what I'm saying, but we are seeing developmental difficulties with attention. Um, and the big thing is kiddos are developing these inaccurate sort of perceptions of the world. And it's really hard for them to be able to process all of that fast-paced audio-visual information that's coming in and they're getting disoriented and they're getting overstimulated really easily and that affects their emotion regulation. The brain just can't handle it. Our brain was never built to be able to take in all of this information, everything that's going on. So we got to think about that. And then they become so easily dependent on the excessive stimulation and that's why we see so many kids who are bored all the time, right? Because nothing else is as stimulating as a screen. And that's another reason parents give it because their kids are bored and I just got to go shower and I just got to go make dinner and I just, oh, I don't want to put up with the fight. So here you go. Here's the iPad. But the screens are causing the boredom in the first place. And I'm not going to go in too much about the brain development, you know, other than screens really do limit kids' decision-making skills, their problem-solving skills, conflict management, all the things that are so important for managing anxiety and emotion regulation. So we also see limitations to social development. You know, kiddos aren't able to sustain their attention, initiate conversations, um, initiate conversations, sustain conversations, social coping, being able to engage in even just conflict management, right? That self-control, accountability, integrity, empathy, sharing, compromising, all of those things are so important. And no wonder we are seeing so much social anxiety in the world. We literally see this direct correlation with screens and social withdrawal and social phobia and just really superficial relationships. And I just want to say, too, that the empathy piece, we've seen a huge decline in empathy at the same time as an increase in self-centeredness over the years that's correlated with, you know, the advent of smartphones and, and everything else that we're seeing with screens. There's a few reasons why um, kids aren't so good anymore picking up social cues and they don't have as many opportunities either. And just even understanding other people's emotions, everything's just an emoji, everything's over a text, breaking up, done over a text, all of my teens. I can't, I don't know any of them who've actually had a face-to-face -face conversation, a difficult face-to-face -face conversation. Everything is done over text. A major source of anxiety too for our kiddos, and especially in the tween teen years, is FOMO, fear of missing out, right? And that just worsens 
as they get more access to the social media. So we're seeing, you know, this shared delusion where parents believe that my kids, especially with COVID, with the social isolation, they have to have access to screens and social media, but it's not connecting our kids at all. What we're actually seeing is an increase in social isolation. And they perceive that they're being excluded, that they're missing out because they're looking and seeing, oh my gosh, Sally went to the mall with Susie and why wasn't I invited, right? And then their brain can't shut off because everything else in their life is way less important when they see their friends going out without them or, or waiting to see if their friends are going out without them or to see what is everybody doing today, right? Or even if they just want to see how many likes they got on a post that they had, they become so preoccupied with what's happening online versus what's happening in the moment. Mindfulness being in the moment is so important if we're going to be able to manage anxiety effectively and everything else that's happening in the world. So they're not learning. They're not interacting with others. Not, they're not doing things in the world and they feel even more isolated. So bottom line, the more screen time kids are getting, the less time that they're actually connecting with others. And therefore, the more socially isolated they're feeling as well. And that's true regardless of demographic makeup, eating habits, level of physical activity, it doesn't matter. Any technology for our kids leads to poor outcomes. But they do have access with things like email, cell phones, instant messaging, video games, any of it, you know, the worse those outcomes are, the more access they have to those things. So since my podcast is all about anxiety and emotions, I'm really going to focus there because I could go on for hours and hours. And I do actually have workshops, whole workshops on screen time, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I do want to say how impairing screens are for our kids' resilience because they're taking away from the real life activities that are so important for development. And I'm always talking about the risk takers advantage and to build resilience. Our kids need lots of opportunities to experience different things and screens are taking away those opportunities. Think about when was the last time your kiddo made a fort or turned a box into a rocket ship, right? Or picked up a book or climbed a tree. Even when I was a teenager, I remember walking up to this hill with a tree where I would go and read. How many times, you know, is your, is your child doing that? There's so many learning opportunities and they're taken away and they never have the chance for learning, for developing talents, building confidence, or even just getting a sense of accomplishment or trying new things or having time to themselves just to reflect and think. Little things like climbing up the pole at a playground the first time. That's a huge accomplishment. Yes, mom, I can come look, look what I did. Or I can't believe, you know, I got to tell you what I did at the park today. Family connections, then it's another one. Kids aren't running to us to debrief their successes or, or, or some of the areas of difficulty that they've had. Those connections are so important for development, even just discovering themselves their values, who they are, how they see the world. But we see screens and how screens are replacing parents and they're disrupting family development. But the question is about how screen time specifically are affecting our kiddos' mental health. Well, we know screen time is correlated with loneliness and depression and withdrawal and anxiety and suicidal ideation, suicidal planning, disordered eating, self-esteem, all the things that I've already talked about. And we are seeing those things to a much higher degree than any other generation. And it's directly correlated to screens and the, the amount of access that they have to the information online. So like I've already mentioned, screens are too stimulating. 
And what they see can be so harmful and it doesn't even matter what age. And if they're seeing these fearful images and stories, even just from the news, it weakens kids' ability to use their brain and their brain power and their brain resources to be able to overcome that anxiety because their amygdala gets their prefrontal cortex spinning, spinning, spinning offline, right? And then they can't be present to think rationally. And even just myself, my daughter, I've got a teenage daughter and it's normal, you know, that they, they're looking for more stimulation. They're really drawn to, scary movies and she had me watch first Blair Witch Project was wasn't too bad I had already seen it when I was a kid so you know um but the other one Sinister I think she I think it was called Sinister and there's a boogeyman who eats kids essentially but he he like possesses them and then they go and kill their families and it was so disturbing and it wasn't scary but for the past few nights now I've been picturing and dreaming this boogeyman not that I'm scared but it was just so disturbing it was so stimulating and so it was hard I haven't been able to sleep like I'm exhausted today a few days later um, and unfortunately we just have a global culture of fear and there's a safety preoccupation that has really affected our kids and and it's instilling this widespread anxiety which has only worsened since COVID our kids and our teens are constantly bombarded with the local and the world news and now war everything though even before any of this politics healthcare, mass shootings discrimination climate change more than any other generations. My kids knew everything about the Trump elections and everything that Trump was doing. It's a problem. I knew Reagan was in office when I was a kiddo, you know, in, in elementary school, but I didn't know everything that was going on and, and everything that was happening on Twitter and all the riots, you know, that just wasn't happening. Um, it's really hard for their brains to process all of this information, even stories that they're hearing happening on the other side of the world. The brain has a really hard time to be able to tell the difference between is it a real event or not or if they're seeing these images of a tsunami their brain even the teenagers have this magical thinking it's really hard to really separate that's happening on the other side of the world and what they see on screens that affects their perceptions not only of the world but others around them right and even themselves and we see changes in behaviors and we keep seeing these huge increases in anxiety because our kids are always connected to the world and they have this crisis saturated news globally at their fingertips so we've seen this massive scale emotional contagion where they begin to experience the same emotions as others without their even knowing and I'm sure you've experienced this yourself. If you hop onto social media and it's all negative and then you're affected. I know so many people who've left social media or Facebook. My husband's dropped out of Facebook. I know so many other people too for this very reason, you know, because they're going on and every time they go on, it's just negative, 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 negative or news, scary news. And so it was really affecting them. And so what we're seeing, we really do see and the research has supported this. We see long lasting moods like irritability, depression, actually being transferred through social networks. So emotions expressed by others on Facebook, for example, that influences our own emotions. And the more the negative the expressions, the fewer positive posts. And so the fewer positive posts we're seeing, we're st starting to see more and more negative posts and it's a vicious cycle. And we need to think too of the physiological arousal that happens when our kiddos are watching screen. Just like I said, when I got, you know, watching the movies, I get sick. I can't watch these movies anymore. She made me watch the conjuring ages ago I'm like that's it I can't do it anymore but then she suckered me into sinister I used to love it when I was a kid I remember having to watch Hellraiser by myself because my dad left within 10 minutes and I'm in the living room by myself pitch black 
you know, in a fishbowl watching Hellraiser. I loved it. Now I just can't do it. That physiological, even I just literally get sick to my stomach. But when we get stimulated or if we see something worrisome, our brain, again, it can't tell the difference. Even if we know we're watching a movie, we still get aroused and stimulated. And so, of course, our amygdala is going to trigger the alarms. Something's coming after us, right? And it's going to release the stress hormones, which increases the heart rate and the blood pressure and our energy and our alertness and all of the other processes are slowing down to be able to make sure all the right processes are geared up to be able to fight or to run away. And boom, guess what? We've just triggered anxiety, even when we just meant to go chill and relax. So we see in the research that that kiddos and especially young children, they need to be shielded from for sure violent content. (laughs) And most of what we see, even in cartoons, there's so much violence, especially because even just the fast pace, go, 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 right? It's just this, we're seeing high levels of cortisol in their little bodies and which we know that can have long-term health health difficulties. And the younger they are, we're seeing it more and more at younger ages. And again, huge changes in the brain. And that can make it harder and harder to regulate their emotions. And it's not just on TV. It's not just that stuff on the TV that's a concern. Our kiddos are getting way more exposure to social media. um, And the more social media that they're getting, the more anxious and depressed they become. And we see a direct correlation, increase in social media, increase in anxiety and depression. Now, there's a direct correlation with the increase in smartphones and depression year after year. We saw huge increases in depression in teens and suicide in teen girls the same year smartphones were introduced in 2007. And those rates steadily increased from 2010 to 2015. And by 2015, we know, you know, the majority of kids, 90, 92%, like high, like 90s, somewhere in the 90s of teens and young kiddos and adults owned a smartphone. And at the same time, we saw another huge spike in depression and anxiety. And lo and behold, learning difficulties. Surprise, surprise. It's really interesting to see shifts in child welfare concerns as well. So before smartphones, most of the concerns, you know, why people were calling family social services were family problems, abuse. That was pretty consistent. However, by 2016, right, once everybody's got 92% of our deans have got cell phones, all of that completely shifted. We're seeing more self-esteem, sadness, cyberbullying, self-harm. And there's no exceptions anywhere that researchers have ever shown, and they're showing time and time again that the more screen time they get, like I said, anxious depression, but also lonelier, the more lonely they feel, right? The more suicidal ideation they experience. And like I said, it affects their self-esteem and their self-efficacy so badly. All the things that we need for resilience, they're soaking in so many messages about beauty, and they're constantly comparing themselves to everybody else in every aspect of life. And there's this huge pressure to live up to unrealistic expectations, having a perfect body, having a perfect life. I remember going to, I I keep using this story, but I remember going to a pet land and I'm there with my daughter. We're going to get dog food. And then I realized, you know, I, I need to go pick up some other groceries. So we'll come back, get the dog food because it would be too heavy to carry go get the groceries, then come back and get the dog food. While we were there, there were two girls, couldn't have been more, you know, 12 to 14, I'd pick them at, um, in playing with the kitties. And my younger daughter wanted to go and play with the kitties. And we walked around the store, but these girls were taking forever. By the time we left, we're like, okay, they need to get the perfect picture. They were fighting, but they were like trying to press their, 
boobs together. They're like leaning in, trying to get the perfect kiss, looking up and having this kitty. And then the kitty was scratching them. And, you know, they're trying to get this perfect picture and you could see them scrolling. No, no, no. Let's do another one. Well, we went and got our other groceries, came back and all in all, it was over an hour. And these two girls were still trying to get the perfect picture. Right. And, and then when they finally post it, people are going to be like, Oh, look at them. They're so beautiful. They look like they were having so much fun at Petland. No, like they were fighting the whole time, (laughs) but they need to get this perfect picture. And so those pictures just on Instagram, we see huge associations of feeling of anxiety and depression and worries about body image. And then kids stress out about that online image and keeping up with friends. And so they're spending so much time trying to post what they think everybody else is going to think is that perfect life so that they're avoiding rejection. And they get so preoccupied with getting all those likes But the more likes that they're actually getting, it's worsening their self-esteem because now they start to worry that others aren't going to like the real them. If I don't have makeup, if I don't have the perfect clothes, having fun, right? Another problem with screens too, it affects sleep. And that's doubly problematic when we're talking about anxiety. And especially, you know, if they have access to screens before bed, that's definitely disrupting their sleep efficiency. It affects how long they sleep the quality of their sleep, you know, and then they start to develop negative sleep patterns that can be really difficult to get out of. And we know with bad sleep, they're not able to manage their emotions and they're more likely to just become emotionally reactive to even the smallest of things. So that's something to think about. If you have a kiddo who's not sleeping great and who's always on on the screen, you've got to be able to look at that and that's going to affect their emotional well, regulation, their reactivity, all of those kinds of things. And we all know the blue light that interferes with falling asleep, but even scrolling social media, it's so stress inducing. It's getting the body revved up, even having a phone in the room, even if you just turn it off, but having that, the brain still knows that the the phone is in the room. And so they're worrying about what they're missing out on. And I have kiddos, I just need it in case there's an emergency, you know, in the middle of the night, my friend needs to call me in a panic or, you know, they're in having a really hard time right now. That's a problem. Screens also affect our physical well-being. It affects how we eat, how much we move. It contributes to pain. And we're seeing kids with chronic pain. And there is a correlation with screens too. And that's also going to worsen our mood. It affects learning and it affects resilience and anxiety 100% all the way around. So screens, like I've already said, they kind of take away from all of the things that we're trying to instill in our kids, like self-regulation, mindfulness, assertiveness, independence grit, (laughs) resilience, everything that I've talked about. They just don't have the opportunities to live life, to be kids, to play, to have new experiences. And when they're on the screen, we know resilience needs a lot of those different types of experiences and opportunities. I want to say too, that, you know, the more time kiddos spend on, on screens, the more addicted and relied reliant they become as well. And that's true for us as adults. A lot of adults, we cannot self-regulate. These are purposely made to be very addicting. And when we look at the stats, most teens feel addicted to their phones and they will actually agree to it. Most parents believe, of course, that their kids are addicted to their devices. And most are checking their devices regularly all the time just to see updates, right? They just can't put them down. And addiction really is a real thing. We've seen MRI scans that, you know, where the brain, we see these activations in the brain of gaming and it's craving, it's internet addiction. They're exactly the same as substance craving. The exact same as cocaine, the same part of the brain just as quickly as affected. And we see the same impairment in cognitive and emotional control. 
right? And just like they're building tolerance to drugs, the brain adapts to high levels of dopamine and kids are getting that on the screen and they need more and more, right? So, so what ends up happening is the brain stops producing dopamine because they're getting such high hits all the time, right? So it stops producing dopamine. And so guess what? Those feel good hormones that we would normally experience doing anything else, they're not comparing to the really quick, intense fix. And so we need to get another intense fix and we get that on the screens. So they want more and more and more of the screens because nothing else is as stimulating. So like I said before, they're bored and it's just perpetuating that. And their brain isn't able to produce the dopamine on their own, right? And they're not getting the same pleasure in other things. And just like drugs, as they build up that tolerance, because they need more and more and more screens, right? To be able to experience the same level of enjoyment, it, it just becomes into a vicious cycle. And you know that your kiddo is, you know, if they're, if they can't just turn it off, Kate, bud, dinner time, turn off your screen. Okay. You know, if they're having a hard time, that's a problem. So the bottom line is the screens hijack that brain because they provide this endless feedback, lots of stimulation, lots of enticements, right? It just makes the brain feel really good and it becomes self-medicating. And we see changes in brain functioning that perpetuates addiction exactly like drugs. And then we see the exact same symptoms too, right? It's not just what's happening in the brain. We're seeing the same symptoms as other addictions. Mood has changed. They're fighting more. They're withdrawing. Right. If you try to take a thing away from them, a device away from them, you, you see literal withdrawal symptoms and cravings and they'll choose screens over anything else, over playing outside, going and seeing friends or being with family. And then, of course, we're seeing huge increases in anxiety, huge increases in irritability, you know, especially if they can't access the phone. There's this sense of disease. And so we do see all of the effects as though our kiddos are addicted to drugs. You know, it's just from internet use and gaming disorders, exactly the same as drugs across all contexts. So it's important to go through, like, let's look through a little checklist. Actually, I'll, I'll include a little checklist to see, you know, if you can see if your child might be addicted to screens, but it's definitely something to think about. Definitely something that we all need to address. And I will start addressing screens in the next episode. What do we do about it? Um, so I'll leave it here for today because I could go on and on. And I think you've got the message that screens, yes, do contribute to anxiety and a whole host of other difficulties. The sad part is really, I've only brushed the surface and there's so much that I could talk about. And I will go into, like I said, what we can do next week, but I just wanna make sure I at least address this question first so that you really start having an understanding. So looking at, if you're a mental health professional, looking at the kiddos that you work with who have a lot of, whether it's behavioral, difficulties, emotion regulation, difficulties, anxiety, we got to look at the screens. If you're a parent, same thing, we got to look at the screens. And I think everyone knows it, but perhaps, you know, we don't really down deep know how much these screens are actually affecting our kids and our own mental health as well. And, you know, it's just a red line that I have in my house. It's just a non-negotiable and I'm trying to help other families get it under control as well. It's actually one of the biggest fights that I see in most families that I work with. And I know it becomes a really sticky one. In all my workshops, most people are inspired and hopeful and like, this is fantastic. But I have 50-50 splits when I do these workshops because it's like, yeah, but there's always a yeah, but it's so hard, right? I need to keep the peace. I need to make dinner. I need to go, okay, that's fine. So you got to look 
you know, what's hard? It's hard to make dinner when you've got a bored kid, but it's also hard getting your kid off the screens, right? And and, and changing that. So you got to choose your heart. And yeah, it's hard at first, but if you're consistent with it, there's an extinction burst. They will there is just like if they have to go to rehab, right? They go through the whole withdrawal piece, but they learn to do other things and their brain can rewire. So it's just a matter of putting our foot down and making those boundaries. So maybe it's about creating a plan and when's a good time. Maybe it's over the holidays, right? I know so many families who will go away for holiday, no screen time. And they're like, oh, it's the best two weeks ever. Okay, fantastic. Just don't introduce screens again when you get back right? I will go into more details about the screens and how we can focus on other developmental important tasks, because I think that that's important. I deep dive it in my training programs. I do lots of consultation groups too, if anyone has a kiddo that they're working with that they'd like to chat about. But I will leave it there for today. Goodbye. Help those anxious kiddos be bold and courageous outside of screens, and I will see you next week.